Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and welcome everyone here we are uh, live on video, um, not really live, but on video. Uh, this is Rock M Radio Podcast. Uh, we are vidcasting. Um, it's a brand new episode of Dive Cuts, season six, episode twenty-six, and we're here to talk about your Missouri basketball Tigers. Uh, Tiger season ended over the weekend, uh, and so we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament that was, uh, where the program is, uh, where it is going. I am your host, Sam Stelling. It's actually, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you can actually see my little name at the bottom there. Uh, with me, as always, uh, tuning in from the plains of Indiana is Matt Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Sam. This is fantastic because now everyone gets to see the the lovely crypt that is my home office uh, in the basement of a 94 year old home. Um, yeah, I know my wife would be mortified at the backdrop here. She's already discussed ways that we can really improve the room rating here, but I'm good. I'm good this evening. And, uh, also well, I went, I went ring light. And so I've got, a, I got the ring light. And so the ring light shows the light here and it makes everything back here kind of dark. So it's harder to, harder to see what's going on. Um, but if, if you want, I, I could actually, I think I can lean this way and you might be able to see some EH Taylor, uh, back there on I mean, the on the shelf. Uh, I mean, if I always got to always got to display the good stuff. If I lean back, I think you're going to see uh, books. You could see a really really good recently released economic history, macroeconomic history of the U.S. <laughs> if if that's if that's what the viewers want, um, which I think pretty much sums up our entire writing and podcast relationship. This little exchange right here. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm fine. Uh, I've recovered after the weekend. Well, so let's let's talk about this weekend. Um, Mizzou uh, was in the NCAA tournament uh, first time in a couple of years. They were able to get their first win in the NCAA tournament for the first time in 13 years. Uh, 2010 was the last time they won. Um, that game against Utah State was one that. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to say that like we were, we were like worried they were going to lose. Like I, you know, anytime you are 
fairly evenly matched up. Um, I think there's always a possibility that you could go home if you have a bad night. Uh, Missouri didn't have a bad night. Utah State did have a bad night. Uh, and uh, despite, you know, I thought playing hard, playing pretty well, the, you know, the Aggies were sent packing um, after some, some hot games from, uh, from Kobe Brown, uh, Des Moines Hodge. Uh, both those guys played really well, especially down the stretch, and they were able to kind of get the separation Missouri needed to kind of put the game away. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that, that sort of kept me from being, you know, pretty loud and, and thinking Missouri was going to win it is these are two teams that are, you know, hyper-reliant on spacing the floor and, and shooting three balls. And, you know, we can do all the deep dives and deep video work and put them all in the verdict all we want. And then Utah State can go out and shoot 16% and, you know, go two of 12 on unguarded threes. Like, that's not you know an optimal number of open shots to give up but you miss 10 of those and the defensive numbers are going to look pretty good you know and right. it covers up you know giving up 68 percent shooting at the rim and so i i just felt like one of those days where i felt where i thought missouri got the shots to drop it needed to drop it you know won the possession battle enough you know it wasn't a bad day for uh utah state a 1.1 bci is not you know sterling but it's average enough to you know get you over and you know just you know they got on the offensive glass enough to offset it a little bit they just couldn't make shots and Missouri did make shots and you know so much as you say it, it's you know routine now did you make your threes Missouri did Utah State didn't and one got to live on to Saturday and the other one got to go home it was it was really sort of you know epitomizing what modern basketball is becoming and at every level Right, and I think that almost kind of extends into what happened in the next game. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of a lot of fans, you know, maybe even myself included in this, who sort of looked at the fact that Missouri was going to get a 15 seed uh, after all that, and start you start thinking about the Sweet 16. Um, but the team that we saw show up on Saturday against Princeton was a version of the team that we've seen many times this year. Uh, and the bad Tigers, when they're bad, are, uh, are are quite bad. The defense is just not good enough to, you know, withstand uh, when the offense isn't, isn't clicking and they, they could not get the offense going. Um, and really, like, you know, I, I pointed this out in study hall, and I think when you go, when you were in the moment and you're seeing Princeton kind of make these three-pointers and all that kind of stuff, the dunks, um, it felt like they were just just on fire on offense, and that really wasn't the case. Like like Princeton missed a lot of shots. They had uh, a lot of, uh, or, or they left the door open for Missouri to kind of come back and get back into the game uh, many, many times. The Tigers just couldn't walk through that door. Yeah, uh, to me, the one thing that that stood out about Princeton, even if you watch them on Friday, and then or on Thursday, and then if you go back and you you know do what you know, Watkins and I do, which is really do the the number calling, and you watch a couple of their games, is one they don't beat themselves, and I and I think people you know are quick to you know bash Mizzou for you know their performance and oh they played horribly. And I hate doing that for one because I think Princeton executed the scout. You know, they know who they are. They know what they do. They know what they want to achieve at each end of the floor. And they went out and they did that. You know, they understand that they're not going to have maybe the sort of elite, you know, link their athleticism on the perimeter. So they're going to have to try and fight over screens. They can't switch everything. They understand they're going to have to be positionally sound in gaps. They understand that they're going to have to play behind your bigs and give good help and be able to play with verticality without fouling and make your life tough at the rim. They did that on Thursday against Arizona, and Arizona has more legitimate bigs than Missouri does. So it was sort of weird to me to hear people say, oh, well, oh, Missouri gets a 15 seed. I'm like, well, they beat a team with a better front court and made life for them, tough for them finishing at the rim. And Princeton went out and did that. Was Missouri great at times offensively? No, I, I think there were times where Kobe didn't finish the way he needed to. I thought Des Moines Hodge didn't have a great game. But 
part of that's on Princeton for executing what they do so well. And you know, defensively, Missouri's pressure wasn't able to crack them. You know, the decisions they had to make to try and generate that pressure left them vulnerable, you know, in ISO situations and in mismatches. And Princeton capitalized on them. So it's Missouri didn't play well, but I also think, you know, Princeton did what it needed to do to get the result here. And, you know, that's enough. So it, you know, hats off to them as well for the way they played, the way they prepped, and, you know, the way they executed. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's that's another thing is uh, I think you kind of pointed out on Twitter how how good they are at kind of defending the rim, and you know, one of the stats I thought that stood out to me when I was looking at you know Mizzou's two point shooting, it wasn't um, good for the first thirty five minutes, wasn't? It? Yeah, it was it was horrible. Like if you just look at you know the segment where really the game was you know in question, um, not I guess not in question. Yeah, the last five minutes. Kobe uh, and and Drew Golston both went and got theirs. You know, uh, you know Golston maybe a little bit more so. Yeah, uh, you know, because Princeton was up twenty, and they're like, "Look, we you know, we've figured out that we can we can score if we need to at this point. We're okay with a fifteen point win versus a twenty point win, whatever." And and you know, Drew went out and scored eight points. Uh, you know, Kobe had some some late uh, points as well, and so like there was like this this sort of chipping away that that happened and and a boosting of the numbers. But outside of that, Missouri was basically shooting twenty uh, percentage points under their season average from two point range. You know, and again, like I think the the bigger lesson for me is like this is a team that we've seen. Um, yeah. You know, like we saw the same. You know, like this roster. We've seen what they did against Utah State where they, you know, they were flying, they were getting turnovers, they were making threes, they were, you know, playing that style that we're used to kind of seeing them play most of the time. Uh, and, you know, and that's really how they got to the NCAA tournament was playing this one way. Um, but th- the problem is, is when that one way isn't working, they don't have the backstop uh, to be able to, you know, overcome the issues that, that the roster has. And I just, I like, I don't, I feel like this is, you know, maybe getting a little bit to be a a, a bit of a, a downer of a start, but I I think overall when you look at the fact that this is a team that won 25 games, won a tournament game for the first time in forever, uh and there was so little expected of this team. And they did all that really like without Isaiah Mosley. Yeah, uh, and one of the reasons why we thought this team could be pretty good in the SEC was they were bringing in a guy who could score. Turned yeah. out they didn't need him, and you know, and and I think that you have to sort of look uh, at what was created, what was built. They made gambles to play a certain way defensively, based upon the roster they had. They knew that they weren't going to be able to rebound. They knew that they, you know, they they could maybe lay back and play some zone and, and get away with that, but. I think the, the the bigger thing is they understood that they were going to have to gain possessions through turnovers, and uh, and so that's one of the reasons why they played that way. Yeah, um, you know, and it it accomplished twenty five wins. Like that's that's yeah incredible. Even if even if you know like what eight of those were given <laughs> uh, some some cupcakes, and still like you know eleven league wins is yeah. is. Not nothing. Yeah. Beating Illinois, beating Iowa State. Like these are really good wins. Beating Utah State. Like this is a really great year. Uh and considering it's the first year of Dennis Gates, considering that um, you know, he, he came in, he adapted, he gave us a really fun, entertaining product. I, I think it, it bodes well for what the future could be. Oh, no doubt. And I, I think the hardest thing here is it's easy to explain away some of the trade-offs that get made when you are, you know, you know, winning eight or ten one-possession games a year. But I still think it took, you know, the underlying issues were still there, and, you know, there was going to be a time, I think, when the pendulum swung, swung back. You just hope it wouldn't have been on Saturday with an opportunity to get to a Sweet 16. You know, if it had been this, if it had been in the Sweet 16 against Creighton, another team that's long, can rebound, can defend, and is comfortable playing at pace, I think people would have said, okay, 
They made it to the Sweet 16. They ran into a team that was a bad matchup. Whatever. You know, this is found money. They got to the second weekend for the first time, you know, since 2009. It's all found money from here. And and it's not wrong to say there was an opportunity here, but I think the things that did them in here, I would disagree with folks that said, you know, this was such an aberration or this was a thing that was a no-show. It wasn't. The things we saw on Saturday have been there at different points in the year. They had been there, you know, you know, close wins over LSU and close wins at home over Ole Miss. They had to fight back against Wichita State. It's taken three close shots to get wins. These things have existed, and, you know, it's, I think it's sort of in a, you know, it's not what you want. It's, you know, a downer, but it's fitting for this team, too, that, you know, what happened on Saturday happened. But I think in aggregate, they go into the offseason in a completely different position, a much stronger position than they were a year ago. I don't think anybody can deny that. And and the question is, you know, what they do over the next two months, you know, to really fortify and solidify this momentum that they've put in place. And, and that's going to be yeah. fascinating to watch. Uh, another fun fact, uh, Matt, Missouri actually uh, finished, I believe it was 13 spots lower in Ken Palm than they started the year. Well, when you have the worst defensive efficiency in two decades, it's going to act as a drag on you. But. Yeah, well, I, I think I think I had sort of run those numbers uh, late in the you know Council Martin tenure to sort of you know determine like what were the expectations and where did we end up and you know the number of years over like the last ten or fifteen where Missouri ended up below you know Ken Palm that expectations was uh, was pretty high um, and so I just kind of thought it was funny as like for all like and again like not taking away like we. We know like what this team is. We know why the math doesn't particularly like this team very much, despite all their wins. Um, yeah, it's I sort of found it comical the fact that that you know the math basically dropped uh, this yeah. team over the course of the year, despite them seemingly overachieving. And I, I think that to be like that's why the math was ended up being correct is this team was an overachieving team, uh, and the math is basically saying they're they're overachieving they're overachieving um you know and and as it turns out like they stubbed their toe at a bad time against a, a sound team but not a great team and all, really all princeton had to do was be themselves and missouri was you know yeah. was gonna allow them to move on and for as much as i love contextual statistics recruits aren't going to be asking to see kim pom you know, sheet pages, you know, when they're coming oh. in, when, when portal recruits are coming in. What they're going to care about is what percentage of minutes do you have for me? What role do you have? And, you know, can I fit your offense? And I think the one thing, and this staff. And probably going back to like, you know, one of, wanting to, you know, some, not necessarily a guarantee, but likelihood of going back to the NCAA tournament. And that's the thing. Uh, this is a team that if, the, if they are able to, with the players we know are leaving right now, that we know have to leave, they have, their eligibility is done, There's they're, they're out the door. If that's your floor, if everybody comes back, Missouri's returning 65 to 75% of its production across the roster. It's down a little bit and made three-pointers, but if Isaiah Mosley comes back and you know plays at his level, you're going to backfill a lot of Des Moines Hodges shooting right there this is a team that if you keep everything in play and with minimal churn you know it, it, it's going to be probably the most robust production we've seen in a long long time maybe one of Conzo's teams is a little bit higher but I think if you're talking about the overall roster depth and quality it, it's going to be up there and that's appealing you can you know go out into the portal now you know maybe some teams that finished behind you have had a week but you can say this is a potential top 25 team. This is a team that, you know, in our first year, we got a double bye. You know, we, you know, won an NCAA tournament game. Come here, put us in the second weekend. It's, it changes the, there's no proof of concept anymore. They can point to 25 and 10, fourth place finish, NCAA tournament win, bringing back 70% of our production, come put us over the hump. That's the pitch. 
totally different than yeah. what they've had in the last three or four years. And we'll see what they do with it, but that's that in and of itself is just a major, major change in fortune for this program. You're not having to sell, you know, be there in two to three years. It's next year. You got one year left, come maximize it. So I think you can't undersell or understate how important that's going to be moving into the next six to eight weeks. Yeah, I you know, and I think like that's probably going to impact um, the the type of players maybe they're going to look at. Like, it, you know, maybe a year ago, the, the guys that you're looking at are, you know, guys you think you can kind of pounce on early who might make sense to, to fill in and, you know, a little bit of gaps. I think like Noah Carter is a good example. Uh, you know, a guy who was a productive player at Missouri Valley. Um, you know, a guy who you know. Great scheme fit. Right, really good scheme fit. A guy that can do a lot of things offensively. You know, you do sort of give up a little bit in size. Um, you know, but maybe this year what you're doing is you're going and you're getting guys off of, you know, like power conference, uh, you know, level players. You know, guys who were, uh, you know, like role players are better uh on on at least a power conference level um you know and, and guys that were maybe just unhappy with the role at, at you know whatever pac-12 school or big 10 school or uh, other sec school like something like that i you know i think what you're you're doing now is you're getting yourself into a place where you can kind of get into a little bit higher level of a player and and have guys who can uh you know really kind of help you take that next step yeah, I, the one thing I think they they did a great job a year ago when we wrote this a lot was they had a clear schematic concept of what they wanted to do. And they went out and they found guys that fit that. You know, I, I looked at it earlier today because I was thinking about, a you know, sort of a before and after type of piece. You know, last May we wrote that what they got were guys who were exceptionally good rim finishers, exceptionally good at forcing turnovers, and, you know, could shoot well off the catch. And there were going to be questions defensively. We wrote that in May last year. <laughs> you know, I don't want to break my shoulder, pat myself on the back, but that's oppression. You could see 10 months ago what they were trying to do. And it absolutely fit. You could put on the tape of Cleveland State and see how they wanted to play. That's how they played. The question now is, if you upgrade that talent level, are you going to change your stylistic choices now? I, to me, that's where they've got to go because, you know, I, I think the one thing they've done with the triangle concepts and, you know, putting in some NBA concepts is they've stayed true to who Dennis is, but are there going to be guys, you know, that are going to want to see more genuine, like, NBA-style offenses? You know, we've seen Dana Altman, Brad Underwood, guys that have had to compromise kind of their – stylistic preferences in order to acquire talent is Missouri going to have to do that and if so what sort of compromises will they make how will that impact guys down the roster but bottom line is they're in a great place because that's you'd rather be doing that than going how are we going to replace eight guys off of a team that just finished eighth or ninth Mm -hmm. and look we admire Conzo as a person we admire the job he did here and you know respect you know the efforts he put in but there were situations where you're just hoping to get enough guys to stay in the middle and then that next year have guys take a step forward. That team's not in this. This year they skipped a year, I think, in some ways in terms of their development. So they might as well be aggressive now because it's a great opportunity they have to to really, really accelerate the timeline for this build. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, you know, you think about, like, the the, the players that they have coming in. Um, you know, like Trent Pierce, uh, you know, specifically, and, and you know, Jordan Butler. Um, both guys with elite size, both fairly skilled. Uh, you know, guys that uh, are going to be able to give them a little bit more rim protection and rebounding and things that they haven't had. I think the question, and, you know, at this point, I feel like most people seem to think the odds of, like, Kobe Brown coming back are pretty good. Um, you know, Mosley is still probably a bit of a question mark. Um, you know, from what we know at this point, he seems to really like the program. He seems to really like the coaches. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, like if all the things can kind of get sorted out for him, you know, on the off the floor stuff. And, and, and if he can get the sorted out and, and be able to kind of make a go of it as a regular in, in, in the program, I think then you're probably looking at essentially having two guys who are, you know, being able to provide you lots of production back in the lineup. Um, you know, and so then what are we looking for in the transfer portal? Um, you know, you still probably want more rim protection um, yeah. because, you know, God bless freshmen, but they're freshmen. And uh, I, even though we both, you know, really like what Butler and Pierce can bring, uh, you know, they're, they're non five-star level guys. They're not guys that you're probably going to bring in and put right at the starting lineup. They're guys that are going to fill in and, uh, and eight to 10 minutes a game. Yeah. Maybe, you know, around like Aiden Shaw, hopefully a little bit more than, than what, you know, Aiden was able to bring this year. Um, you know, but still like that kind of level of production, you're not really expecting a lot. So you want somebody to be able to kind of come in who can provide you, you know, closer to 2022, 20, maybe 25 minutes a night at the five, um, you know, who can provide rim protection, who can provide, uh, you know, that, that level of rebounding that this team clearly missed this year. If, if you're looking for the way I would sort of think about it is you're, you can take maybe a specialist at the five because you're going to have some guys that can give you different, ma you know, mixing and matching at that five spot. If, you know, Modiara is back and, you know, takes some strides, you don't need maybe a big that's going to give you 28 minutes a night, but you need a starter that can maybe give you 20. And then you need to be able to mix and match and have some front court flexibility. So can you go out and find a five that's going to, you know, have, you know, 8% offensive rebound rate, 18% defensive rebound rate, 5% block rate. A guy who's going to be very cool, boarding, blocking, you know, being competent enough as a roller and accept that to me the opportunity is what could you do if you had two spots on the perimeter you know i think a lot of times we would look at it and say you know you've got zay here you've got your guy who can go get you a bucket you know maybe aiden shaw is going to take a step forward and shift more from the four to the three and the jumper will come along he may be able to you know, get better ripping and going but if you're Missouri and you think, man, the returning production right now is forecasting us out to be fifth or sixth in the SEC right now, and we've got the opportunity to sell some big guys, so, you know, some major players, let's go get two proven dudes, and let's get three or four scoring options. Let's put every time, every lineup we've got, we've got three or four guys that can go get us a bucket. Because that takes you from... 25 to 35 to 7 seed to now you're in the top four playing for something that matters and you know protected seed so to me it's the question of what's this first year bought them in terms of political capital and in terms of sway you know are they going to wind up you know looking at specialists or are they going to have built up enough equity to where they can go get you know dues where it's you know it's okay if Zay has an off night because we got two other guys that can go get it if we need it to. So that's, I really think that's their opportunity is can they go find one or two other perimeter guys that can really, you know, make this uh, 
a team that's difficult to face because they we've seen the offense you know work we've seen they can make it work and and you know guys can have you know off nights and you know the the baton can get passed but who's handling it what's the caliber the other guys are going to bring in i think that's their opportunity is to really go from here to here in terms of the perimeter talent they want to target well and you know i think if you look at the the top of the rest of the league um you know specifically you're looking at you know alabama and the way you know like alabama legitimately can go 11 guys deep um you know and not really have much drop off now clearly so much of that is built around brandon miller because miller is special um you know but you know mark sears uh you know javon quinterly uh you know even like noah Gurley has had some big offensive moments uh who's uh you know bradley and then who's the other uh, freshman that i'm forgetting rylan griffin uh, kids rylan shooter rylan griffin yeah rylan griffin so you know like uh, basically you're you're able to sort of throw out wave after wave and missouri this year like you know and again to to its credit really did this with two guys who were pretty consistent and then they were just sort of hoping to have a third guy show up that night um when they had three four guys show up uh, you know there was a kind of period there where where you know isaiah mosley was sort of involved and, and you could really kind of see how this was supposed to look at times um you know with with you know with zay with demoy and with kobe and then you could just have like noah carter chip in eight ten points you could have you know, Nick Honor chipped in six to eight points. And, like, as opposed to, like, where it got late in the season when they were really kind of down to, like, seven guys, you know, not even having Trey Million to kind of give you minutes. Like, I remember thinking multiple times during the NCAA tournament, like, thinking, like, man, like, Nick Honor needs to step up and do some scoring. And that's just not Nick Honor's role. Like, that's not who he is as a player. He's he's a guy that's going to space the corner and hit an occasional corner three. But he's not a guy you want, you know, breaking down the <laughs> the defense off the dribble. And to me, the if you're gonna go, God only knows I watched too much tape this team this year. The best iteration of this group was probably the Iowa State game. Like if you were going to talk about defensive pressure, you were going to talk about being not only just on ball pressure, but gap sound rotations were good. You know, they would get beat a little bit on the weak side, but that was a concession that this defense was going to make. That game, what we saw for those 40 minutes, was probably, I think, what this staff wanted to see all year in terms of you know the distribution of minutes, in terms of the rules. That team was scary that day. If you can get that back, you can get some freshmen that I think are going to elevate the bottom of your roster. And if you can go out and get one to two more scores, you've got a really, really, really scary team. The team that, you know, and I don't like, being hyperbolic and I don't like putting carts in front of horses, but there's an opportunity here. And and I say this again with all respect to Conzo, when we were looking at going into year two, it was okay, Jonte's back, but we gotta build everything around Jonte Porter. I don't think this team is gonna be in that situation. I think if it goes the way we think it might go, they're gonna have some more diversity and they might be able to import some more help. So I think that's that's their opportunities. They're not going to have to treat this as a soft reset. They can continue to push and, and keep this on you know a pretty fast track and an accelerated track. So an accelerated track, um, one of the things that I wanted to sort of, sort of uh, you know, talk about, obviously this is the transfer portal season. Um, Too many names. Yeah, we've been trying to stay on top of everybody that um, that Missouri has been, you know, talking to, and it hasn't. It, it's not always easy uh, because, like, there's a difference between Missouri reaching out and inquiring, you know, which is often what like these poor report Twitter accounts are are talking about, right? Like, right. You know, that at this player has heard from. And that's why you see Arkansas on like every list. <laughs> Arkansas is checking in with everybody, uh, and that's just that's what that's what you know th- their program does. Um, you know, Missouri has always like it, you know under Gates and, and more so even under Kaza was much more measured in in how they approach the transfer portal. Um, you know, 
but we do have some guys that are out there uh, that they have reached out to. Now, some seem more likely than others uh, to kind of I, maybe. I, would seem... I mean, I think that, I mean, I just think at this point, there's the market is like any market. There's various levels to it, in fact, and it moves in different ways. There's what you're seeing on Twitter feeds, which is guys going in and, you know, reputable recruiting reporters. I'm not casting aspersions. You know, basically saying, reaching out to a guy and saying, hey, who have you heard from? What that heard from can be, you know, is it, oh, I got a Twitter DM from a staffer saying, hey, we'd love to talk to you. Is it a, you know, Dobo reaching out and saying, hey, coach wants to set up a Zoom with you. Is it a direct call from the coach? Different levels of contact there. Yeah. And then there's the whole other blind market, which is either parents, high school coaches, or AAU coaches reaching out to staffs and saying, our guy's thinking about going in the portal. If he goes in, would you be interested? And quietly, and that's what happened with Trevin Brazil last year. That was going on midway through the season. Yeah. And that and some of this is well, going on for a while. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Uh, a lot last year um, that you know this is this is common um, there are a lot of power covers schools that have already like identified guys that they think would fit best and so you know like the coaches will sort of they'll call up the AAU coach hey we like this one guy that's in your your you know uh, class two years ago Hey, so uh, what's Trevor Brazil, you know, going to do at the end? Do you think he's going to go into the portal? Like, you know, it's just stuff like that where, uh, you know, like very clearly it's like this gray area where, yeah, I mean, they're not reaching out to the player directly, but there's a lot of like back channeling that can happen. And that's what I think is happening right now. So the names you're seeing connected to, I wouldn't say, you know, there's probably what, 13 or 14 names we've seen at this point. I'm skeptical to even say here's what the board is because – you know, it's like anything in recruiting. Are they visiting your school? To me, that's always been the thing. If you are bringing someone in on an official visit, that is, you know, probably a serious signal of interest on both sides. Right. You know, so to me, that's where names got to get to for me to really perk up and start watching film or looking even at their synergy profile in any great depth. Are they coming to campus and do you have a chance to close them? And realistically, Missouri's only been done for a couple of days. They just got back a couple of days ago. This week is going to be exit meetings. It's going to, you know, they may not even know for sure what spots they have right now. So I would tell people if you're looking at the portal, and like I get people asking me, you know, what do you think of like Phil Russell coming here from SEMO? I don't have any idea. We don't, Missouri doesn't know if it's going to have a need at that position. Yet, you know, they don't, you know, maybe they're hearing from other people that are players or people connected to other players that they might think are better than Russell. So it's, I think that's the hard part. And we're getting way too into the weeds with this as we usually do. (laughs) There's the public list of stuff that's going to be connected. And there's that whole other undercurrent back channel, however you want to say it. I would tell people focus on if there's going to be a visit. If there's an official visit happening, that's probably someone you should really, really put a pin in because the staff is going to put its full resources into that vetting process. So I think that's where they sort of are right now. Uh, Jamarcus Sharp? Ticks a lot of the boxes, I think people would say. Um, CMO kid out of Charleston. Uh, did Mobile Area Community College. Good program there. Um, then went down to Springfield. Spent a couple of years with Dana Ford's program followed Corey Gibson. There was a big exodus last year out of Springfield. Followed him down to Natchitoches and was really, really good for Northwestern State this year. Corey Gibson got hired at Austin P earlier this week, I think yesterday even. And so now it's portal season. It's an exodus down in Natchitoches. Uh, really good shooter. I think I'm looking at his numbers right here. It was uh, like 39% or something like that. 39% shooting. Um, Looking That's at it from, through, from three. Yeah, from three. Well, from three, it's 54%, but that was only on one and a half attempts per game. Like, it's a very low volume. So, if you scale that, 
he might be a 40% shooter at, you know, double or triple that volume, but um, 19.5 points, five rebounds per game, five assists per game. Pretty good efficiency at 112. The thing you're going to have to always ask is if you're on a team that's number 215 in Kim Palm and you're jumping to a team that you expect to be top 30, that's a big jump, and we usually see usage and uh, touches decline for guys like that. Now, his usage rate is, looking at it right here, about 24%. So that's the thing that would make me kind of interested is he's getting that number. Actually, no, uh, usage is 30.8%. I'm looking at the wrong line here. 30.8%, that's going to drop. Like, that's a heavy usage to get 19.5 points per game. You know, Zay was getting, you know, his on about 26%. So you're having to scale it a bit, but there's a reason why he's getting calls. 6'3", 180, can shoot it a little bit. Scored for a team that was in, you know, Dayton for the first four. So there are going to be guys that are going to kick the tires on that, no doubt. A lot of a lot of things that you would think would make him attractive to Missouri, but do they have the need for that type of guy, or do they want to wait and see who else comes into the portal at this point? That that's really the question. Do they think maybe a little bit better caliber prospect is going to come in? Yeah, I really liked. Uh... Oh. I just lost his name, uh, Zach Austin, as a prospect. I know, I know you were really high on the uh, uh, Jackson Pavletsky. The same right? Yep, yep. I, I like Pavletsky. Um, kind of a sneaky um, combo guard, six three one seventy five. Played at Wofford. The thing I like is that at Wofford they're going to recruit skill. You, you know that coaches there, even in the Mike Young tree. You know have historically recruited guys that can, you know, be competent handling. They can run, you know, ball screens. They can make good reads. Most of them can shoot pretty well. You're trading some athleticism and some burst and maybe a little bit of strength, but you're getting someone that you know can play basketball. Um, and Pavletsky, you know, you put on the tape of him against LSU, against Texas A&M, looked pretty good in those games. Looked pretty good and, and you know, functioned pretty well. So uh, that's what makes me think, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's got a nice blend of skill and, you know, could be kind of maybe a secondary piece for you, I, I liked him. And I like the shooting. And I was on heavy volume, too. And he's and he's young, too. So he's, yeah. uh, he's, he was a true freshman guy that yeah. could, you know, really develop over time. Um, Wisconsin kid? I, Marquette to maybe, me. Maybe, yeah, like, he, I, I, I know a lot of people probably assume you know, maybe the, the Badgers, I, I actually, like, his style, the way he plays looks like he'd fit pretty well at Marquette. Uh, so he's put on that Tyler Kolick film and show him. <laughs> right. I, like, I just think, yeah, like, that's going to be kind of interesting to see, like, some of these guys end up like that, you know, guys that were a little overlooked. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, the transfer portal is something that we're going to be sort of, uh, I guess, filling in. Uh, more as we go along and and trying to sort of figure out what the priorities are going to be. Uh, not really sure where that is right now. or probably won't know, uh, you know, as, as more teams kind of get picked off, uh, we get closer to the national championship game, but not only national championship game, but also uh, the NIT. Uh, as teams start to lose there, you'll start to see a few more, uh, you know, bodies enter the portal. Uh, and, and from there, I think you, you start to get an idea of what kind of, uh, player Missouri is targeting. And, you know, it's, it's like, I think you said earlier about, you know, I don't think right now, Missouri really fully knows what they're going to have available. I think they have a good understanding on like, you know, maybe one or two spots, uh, and what certain guys are going to do, but, um, there's definitely some murky water, uh, you know, around a couple other spots. Yeah, I, I, I think right now, I would say two to three. I think that's what you're going to have. Th- yeah. That would feel reasonable to me. And just as a starting point there. The question is, is that bottom of the roster? Or is that, you know, key cogs? You know, what are you, what are you losing? What are you, what's going out the door here? But I, I do think the only thing I would say at this point is I think I'm more optimistic about a core staying intact 
captain that I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. That's about as much as I can say on that front. Yeah, you know, and and realistically, like if if we're talking about bringing back virtually everybody that you want back, um, you know, from from a team that that accomplished this, uh, and you're able to kind of backfill positions with with the specific areas of need that you didn't have this year that you want, um, I you know I think you're you're really looking at you know progress kind of started. Maybe we thought they were going to start here. Uh, they end up starting here, and, but now they have a chance to kind of uh, take it up to another level. Um, it's yeah, the and and this is I think it's going to the way it's going to be prime moving forward. I think you're going to see two to three guys in a high school class. You're going to see this team really I think explore the top of the JUCO market. Like if JUCO ratings are notoriously way variable. But look at four or five names near the top of the JUCO rankings. That might be a market they could hit. But then it's, you know, really, this is the thing that's changed. It's, it, it's can you go reload with two to three big pickups every year in the portal? And is your program healthy enough? And, you know, we see it with Mus. You know, is your program healthy enough to go into the portal and get two to three difference makers every year? This is... It feels like an opportunity if Missouri can capitalize this year to get to that point where I think it could start to you know, go get enough pieces to where every year you're saying, okay, we're not going to have to take a, a drop to ninth or 10th and have a right. reset year. You know, maybe our reset year is, oh man, we're kind of on that cut line between a 10 or 11 seat. I think that's that's where you want to get to uh, at this point. But we'll see. It's, it's going to be a really fascinating offseason for the SEC writ large. Um, Florida's already seeing some guys going out the door. LSU's turning over a lot of guys. Um, it'll be fascinating what Mississippi State does. Can they go find people that want to score the basketball? Um, which might, might be a bold move for them to see if they can find scoring. It, you can already tell, like Lamont Paris was telling people on the record at the last week of February, we're going to be hyperactive in the portal. Like LSU is basically saying the same thing. I think that there are the idea that you're going to get, you know, three years to sort of scale it is antiquated. I think if if you couldn't hit last year, the urgency is doubled this year because right. look at what Missouri and you know Mississippi State did in year one. So I, I you know, I think you want Chris Beard at Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you've got, and after next season, you've got Texas and OU showing up. Like there yeah. is, you know, I, I think, you know, the one thing we've had to try and do ourselves is ditch the idea that you're going to get two to three years to do a pretty stable build. You know, but what Buzz Williams has done, quite frankly, is even sort of an outlier now. You know, really getting three or four years to sort of, you know, build it out. I, I think that's done. You know, it's... Now, look at today. Ed Cooley got hired at Georgetown today, and three hours later, he's got Eddie Lampkin committing. Oh, did did you see the follow-up tweet? Eddie Lampkin said he's not committed. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah. But that's... <laughs> somebody but, somebody got the, the car ahead of the, the horse there. Oh, man. That would have been fantastic. No, but that's just the world we're living in right now. I think this this program gets it. I think they understand... And frankly, I think the AD gets it, you know. Yeah. I. When would you have thought to throw out this kind of an extension after year one? You know, I, I don't think you would have done that. But that this is the market now where, you know, you've got to be aggressive if you're even an AD at this point. Not, you know, is there a risk? Is it going to be costly for Mizzou if it doesn't go well? Yeah, but... You know, I, again, I don't think I can sit here and decry that when the program, you know, for a couple of years was probably a little bit too slow and a bit too reactive. So you got to be proactive and you got to be aggressive. And I think that's the posture we're seeing now from, you know, the head coach to the staff all the way up even to the AD and hopefully from the fan base. Hopefully the fans, you know, are, are proactive in terms of you know, purchasing season tickets, in terms of doing the NIL stuff they need to do. So it's, 
it's a culture shock in some ways, I think, for the, for the institution and for the program, but they're embracing it, it would seem. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so we we got a long off season ahead of us. Um, so much. I I, I think I, that is one of the, like the thing that kind of sucks about college sports. You know, both football and and basketball is the off season is long. Um, with that said, though, uh, you know we've, we've said here Missouri has a very very big opportunity in front of them. Uh, I think we're going to. Uh, we're going to do a lot of this. Uh, so this is a pre-recorded video that will be uploaded to YouTube after we're done. Um, we will do what we did uh, last week, which is uh, some live shows here and there. So you can kind of hop on, uh, ask us questions, all that kind of stuff. And we'll, we'll just kind of do it. Uh, and so for at least a few weeks, we're going to stick with our weekly schedule. Um, it may not be... Uh, this guy, I got this guy. <laughs> it may be the other Matt. Uh, I will probably be here. Um, but we're we're gonna try to do more weekly shows. We're gonna try to you know get this going, give you as much news and updates and analysis as we can. Um, and this is gonna be our new thing. If you like this whole video thing, if you like this background, um, you can thank uh, thank Levi. Levi uh, has done a really great job kind of making sure that we're all kind of set up uh, and ready to go. And, and this, uh, this new setup works a lot better than the last one, Matt. I don't know if you, if you would agree with that, but um, it's way easier for me to manage. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is uh, season six, episode 26 of dive cuts. Uh, there will be audio that is going into our regular podcast feed. If you are subscribed to that podcast, make sure you are still subscribed. Make sure you're still downloading those episodes. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, there should be like the subscribe button down there. Make sure you're subscribed to our uh, YouTube channel. You can get all these kind of uh, notifications when, when new episodes drop. Uh, and on this same feed will be uh, the Before the Box Score guys. And we have a whole host of shows that are um, you know, coming that are going to be different kinds of content. I think Dan Keegan is working on a little project that uh, I think people are going to like. So lots of cool stuff coming. Matt, uh, I don't know if you're going to be back next week. I will be back next week. We will talk more Mizzou basketball and what the week that was uh, and try to get people caught up in recruiting. Uh, we will be talking all kinds of 2024 stuff coming up. Um what's going on the transfer portal all that you have anything else you want to say before we get out of here no we're going to do this in under an hour let's 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 get there <laughs> so make sure you follow matt on twitter at matt harris 85 you can follow me at sam t snelling and that's it we'll be back next week with more dive cuts <laughs>